Get him stopped. Get him stopped. God and Moses both in a sidecar did not drive a sprint car with a thousand horsepower. I swear to God, he done a double somersault backwards. My car will go past wide open. Uh, my 50,000 came in a Twinkie box. You know, I get my jollies off over looking at a nice car wash. You know, he's going to crash your shit, but he's still, he's still got great stories. Oh, they disappeared. Oh, I'm leaving. <laughs> I'm leaving. <laughs> Inflated your old ball sack and you just freaking let it eat. It's all goddamn assholes and elbows, and if you ain't right, they'll send your ass to the rear. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Open Red, the official podcast of the World of Outlaws Sprint Cards and Extreme Outlaw Midgets. My name is Ross Weiss, video guy here for the World of Outlaws. Coming to you from our Concord, North Carolina studio, we are back. Open Red is back. It is so exciting to be back and keep bringing you guys more great storytelling like we used to back in the day. As I said, my name is Ross Weiss. If you're a longtime listener of this show, welcome back. We're glad to have you again. If you're a new listener now as we're kind of starting this new version, great to have you join the Open Red family as well. The name of the game with this new show is still going to be the same as with our old show, bringing you great storytelling, bench racing uh, from some of the best names across Sprint Car and midget racing now. Uh, That's one of the cool things we're excited about with this new version is that not only will we be talking to some of the biggest names and personalities from the World of Outlaws NOS Energy Drink Sprint Car Series, but now we have the Extreme Outlaw Midget Series presented by Toyota as well. So we're excited to have that whole great pool of midget guests from that side of the racing world to pull from and bring to us now. So only going to be two episodes a month as we get forward, so don't be looking for new episodes each and every week. Every other week is kind of going to be our rotation as we go throughout the year. Uh, So really excited for that. It's going to be a really cool deal. Give us more time to put more effort into each and every episode and uh, to really try to bring you guys the best content we possibly can with each and every new episode. So with that said, we're going to dive right into this week's guest. Not going to really focus much on doing any kind of commentary at the start of this show like we used to back in the day. So uh, I mean, this week's guest on the show, though, Brian Kimenaugh. It's a name some of you may know if you've been around sprint car racing for a while, but of course you Definitely have heard of the Kimenaw name if you've been around sprint car racing for any time. Legendary name in the Ohio area. Brian Kimenaw, longtime crew chief for his brother Chad Kimenaw. They had a lot of success with the All-Star Circuit of Champions Series. Numerous wins and championships over there in that side of the sprint car world. Brian was on the wrenches for a Knoxville Nationals win with Tim Schaefer. We're going to hear about that in t- today's episode. And the biggest thing you're going to hear about today uh, the newest venture that Brian is a part of, the formation of the new Bell Kimenaw Racing Team with Brian's son-in-law, Christopher Bell, and the micro sprint and 360 sprint car endeavors they have going there. So about a 30-minute interview today, a lot of really good insight from Brian on where he's been in his career and what he's excited to do going forward. So we're going to go ahead and press play on this week's interview with Brian Kimenaw. And join us in, in the studio today here on our first episode back of Open Red, Brian Kimenaugh. And uh, Brian, we kind of booked this before I knew you guys were making all of your recent announcements about, you know, Bell Kimenaugh Racing and all this. But you've had a lot going on lately. So kind of let's start from the top here to kind of walk me through a lot of life changes you've gone through recently. You used to live in Ohio. Now, now you live here in the Mooresville area. But walk me through all these life changes that you and your wife, Stacy have gone through here recently. Well, actually, last year... Uh Probably the end of February, first uh, of March, we had um, decided that that we needed to move down with the kids, with Christopher and Morgan. Um, they had been asking us to come down for three or four years, and we just felt that it was time. Um, 
you know, it was very hard. She had worked as a dental assistant for 34 years. And, you know, I was at Kistler's for 16, which I still am now remotely, but and love, love Kistler's and, uh, and all the customers that, that we've, we've had at the place. So, and, um, we end up selling our house there in, in Ohio. And I think it was, uh, the third week of October, we made two trips of all of our stuff and brought it down and put it in a storage unit and, uh, lived with the kids till we found our, our house, our house there uh, and we moved in actually on uh, January 1st so and then literally with the, the racing program with uh, with Christopher and and uh, Eric you know they they've always had the micro stuff going and and Christopher you know he's been wanting to do this and, and get some more guys involved and and um, hopefully make it bigger and better and and we'll see if we can help that help that out. Now, I, I know, you know, you kind of talk about the the kids, obviously, but you're talking your daughter, Morgan, your son-in-law, Christopher Bell. Um, but I know your relationship with Christopher almost more just stops at the son, not really the, the in-law part. But how 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 cool is it for you to kind of partner with him and do something like this? Well, it's it's kind of crazy. I mean, Christopher, I mean, he's such a kid at heart and uh, he's such a good person. I'm, I'm the luckiest dad, I tell everybody in the world. Um, but he he loves racing, you know, you know, all, all forms of racing. You know, he, he's a true racer, 24, seven, 365, just like I feel that I am. Um, so it was crazy even not even being down here, you know, the amounts of texting and phone conversations we've had the last three to five, six years and say, I oh, just can't wait till you get down here and, and we can do this together and have fun. And, you know, these last three months have just flew by. Um, and it's it's nice that the girls are together. Um, it's so nice that Stacy and Morgan, they lost, you know, seven years that they're never going to get back, you know. So I'm, I'm glad for them. It makes me happy to see them happy. And uh, it's it's a good change. So let, let's kind of run back on kind of your your. your... <clears throat> career arc here through through sprint car racing for people that, that don't know you've been behind the wrenches your, your whole whole career but take me back to those early days in ohio getting started i know you you worked with guys like you know mark keegan byron reed there early but was it always wrenches for you did you ever have any desire to get behind the wheel your, yourself or, or or do it at, at all or was it always being a mechanic no i've i've never driven a race car my whole life um but you're right you know we went back uh you know, with actually in, in uh, 1980 with Fred Linder and, and uh, you know, that's when we were running, when we first started to run the All-Stars. And, you know, we ran the All-Stars pretty much on and off ever since 1980 when, you know, more or less when they started. So, but me and Mark Keegan, you know, we, we raced a lot. Me and Byron Reed raced a whole year together. Um, we've raced with a lot of different people over the years. It's It's amazing. It's been a fast 40 some years so time time flies you've definitely spent say i'd say the majority of your career spinning wrenches for your brother chad behind the wheel um kind of how how does that relationship get balanced is the two, the two of you on the road together you know the the driver crew chief relationship is so important to the success of the team but how does how how does that get helped or hurt or maybe a little bit of both when it's also a family connection not just a driver crew chief connection well, Ross, family things are very, very hard. Um, the problem is, 
I feel the older I get, um, you look and you do your best and he, you know, the driver tries to do his best. The mechanic tries to do his best. But when family's involved, then when you things don't go well, you feel like you let the other one down. Um, and I think that happens in a lot of a lot of cases. Um, but you know, me and Chad, you know, have nothing to hang our heads at. We we uh, had a lot of success. We we won six All Star titles together. Um, ran second in the Knoxville Nationals. Won outlaw races together at Peavley and won outlaw races at Fremont. Um, you know, had, had a lot of success with Chad. Um, so, but it's, it also pulls a toll on your family too, because of the stress. Is the success that much sweeter though, when you do have it because of the family connection? I'm not going to, I will say that that is, that is true. When you do good with a family, you know, it, it does, it, it felt very good. Yes, it did. So kind of, kind of talk to me about your, you know, we we talk about drivers having a a a style behind the wheel. Does a does a crew chief have a style that kind of goes w- with that line of work? Um, I'm not. I don't know if you really want to call it a style. Um, I've always had a problem, probably sometimes getting my cars too tight. Sometimes in my whole life, um, but you know, here you go again. I mean. There's drivers that like tight race cars and there's drivers that like loose race cars. So it's just kind of, you got to get that fine line, you know, for balance on both sides and driving and the mechanic. When it comes to setting up a car as a crew chief, you know, and you're, you're making those setup decisions, how much of it is what you physically see the car doing yourself with your, your own eyes and how much of it is the feedback the driver's giving you on what the car is, is doing? I feel, I feel it's a lot of both, but uh, I mean, uh, that's one thing I feel I've been blessed with, you know, um, being able to read tracks and thank God being able to make the, the, the right decisions a lot of the times to, to win races and, you know, and to win championships, you know, and win the big races. So, um, and there's a lot of luck involved. I mean, I'd rather be lucky than good any day. So you, you and Chad have a lot of success with the All-Stars through the early 2000s. 2006, you go out on the road with the Outlaws that year. Obviously, that was a very tumultuous time in the history of the Outlaws, to, to put it lightly. But kind of talk to me about that point in, in your, your career and going out on the road full-time like that with, with the, the Outlaws and kind of what that jump in your program was at that time was like. It was crazy. Um, you know, we had went and really never really went through very many uh, crash spells and and really hurt that much equipment and went on the road and started off incredibly good. I think we led Florida after we left Florida, we were actually leading the, leading the the world of outlaw points as rookies, you know, and then we, we tore up, you know, quite a few cars that year. I think we ended up junking like four or five cars and, um, but we had nothing to hang our heads about, you know, I, I think he ended up being rookie of the year and I think we finished sixth in points that year as rookies. And I think that year there was, I think there was either 17 or 18 full-time cars that ran every single race. Um, I know that was the year of the split, but they had a lot of cars run every race and it was a lot of fun that year. I mean, the teams that were on the road that year, I mean, from, you know, uh, Jason Martin and, and Randy Hannigan, and there was just so many people that we all had a, you know, Brooke Tatnell and, 
um, you know, that we just, we all got along and we all had fun and, you know, uh, Danny and Donnie shots and, you know, it was, it was a stressful time because it was our, for me, you know, it was our first time, but, um, you know, I, nothing to hang our head about, you know, we had a very good year, you know, we, we, we won a few races that year. Um, and like I said, I think we ran six in the points and he, Chad was rookie of the year that year. It's a, a conversation even to this day when, when drivers and teams make that jump to go outlaw racing from what they have been doing, maybe running the all-stars or running a more regional kind of quote unquote true outlaw schedule. But at that time in 2006, what went into it for you guys to make that jump to go from racing where you were to racing on the outlaw level? Um, Chad, Chad had wanted to do it. He, he, you know, felt at the point in his career that that's what he was ready to do. And, and he was, I mean, when you're, you know, we had just come off of a lot of good runs with the all-stars. I think we had won eight or nine races the previous year with the all-stars and he was timed to go do that, you know? Um, and I, I don't regret it one bit, you know? Um, it's just different when you're used to working a full-time job your whole life and then still racing 60 races a year and then you just race it's just different um it was a different feeling for me um it was a good feeling it was just different so we we get to 2008 you uh you're not with chad anymore you hook up with tim schaefer and the ch motorsports group and go on quite a, a string of success in there we'll talk about the nationals in a second but you have 40 all-star wins in your time with them something like three or four straight all-star titles uh, what, what's kind of that that the biggest differences that came from working with Tim versus when your time with Chad? It, you know, it, it was really weird from, uh, believe it or not, the very first phone conversation me and Tim ever even had on the phone. Um, well, yeah, because you're trying to learn how to understand Aliquippa at that point. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I didn't even know Aliquippa <laughs> even existed until that, that phone conversation. Um, but then... I thought, wow, this this could be too good to be true. And then we go to our first race, uh, which was Terre Haute, an all-star race, and I think we lapped up to second that night. It was crazy. Um, and then, you know, that year I think we ran 30 races and won 11. And then, you know, the next year, you know, heck, we won 18 and then 21 and 22. So, and me and Tim are very close to this day. I just I just talked to him the other day. So, um he, me and him, believe it or not, we were talking the other day. We raced for four years together and never even had a, never had an argument in realistically 250 races. So he, he's, uh, me and him were, you know, close back then and still close today. I'm sure you've talked about it a lot in the now 12 or 13 years since it happened, but 2010 Knoxville Nationals, I'm sure you never get tired of talking about it, but, uh, you know, Take me back to that night at Knoxville in August and kind of what that accomplishment means to you in the scope of your whole career. Well, I mean, first of all, I got to say, you know, I'm very blessed, very lucky. Um, you know, a lot of things went right that night. Um, we put ourselves in position to win that night. You know, Sammy also blew a tire. Steve's mo or Donnie's motor was bad, but we were still there in position. You know, we had had quick time. We had won our qualifying night. You know, we were we were a car in position to win and that night was just our night, you know, and sometimes that happens. So you take them nights because there's not all the nights that that happens, you know, in your favor. So, um, I mean, me and Chad ran second at Knoxville to uh, Lasaski in the nationals. Um, very, very close was very close to winning that, that 
I think that would have been in 04 or 05. So, I mean, but to win the Nationals, it's just crazy because that's something they can never take away from you. There's there's not a whole lot of people that's won the Nationals. There's a lot of people that's won it twice and three times when you look at, you know, the Kinzers and Wolfgang and, and uh, um, you know, Donnie. You know, them. I think between you, you add up Donnie and Steve, there's 20-some wins, but, you know, right there. So for me to be lucky to win one, I'm pretty I'm pretty proud of that. So you really kind of consider that one of those kind of legacy builders you can kind of hang the Kim and on name on and say this was something that we accomplished. It sure it sure is very very nice to say that. Yes. On on the same side of that I was going to ask you about this later but what's it mean for you and the you know the the Kim and all last name and legacy in this sport to have Chad's induction into the Hall of Fame coming up later this year. Oh, that's great. He he totally deserves it. You know, I'm I'm very proud of him. I mean, that's pretty that's pretty cool, you know. So, you get done with Tim Schaefer, you kind of wind up working with Chad again. You kind of take me through those those years after after that and kind of I mean, you guys continued to just mow him down on the the All-Star tour, but kind of what that that second stint with Chad looked like compared to the first one. Um it was crazy because everyone had thought that he, you know, was maybe going down in his career, and I did not think so. You know, it's, you know, we as soon as we started racing again, I think we ripped off 12 or 13 top three finishes in a row, you know, even back with the 63 car with his own stuff when I just was kind of helping him. Um, you know, I, I actually, that's when I had broke my leg working on uh, Jason Johnson stuff at, at Knoxville. And then I started helping Chad a little bit, and then that's when we decided if we could put something together, we would, and it all worked out. And, um, you know, I got to say, though, I've been very fortunate with a lot of good car owners. Um, you know, John Boers was a great car owner for almost 10 years. You know, Janet Holbrook for four or five, you know, me and Janet still talk, you know, a lot. She's always will have a special place in my heart. Um, you know, you know, uh, her, her and Aaron – give us, you know, everything they needed, you know, that we needed to win. And, uh, you know, Rob Hunter did the same. And me and Rob still talk, you know, a lot. We just actually talked the other day. So I still have a lot of very good car owner friends that, that I, I, I hope I never lose contact with. You know, the older you get, here you go almost pushing 60 years old. You think, wow, you know, where, do, where did time go, you know? But now, you know, with, uh, and I, and I've been very blessed. My, you know, my daughter always helped me and my wife the last seven or eight years, um, you know, with Kale Conley and taking care of the three C and even with Chad, you know, she always helped wash the rigs and Stacy's always been a huge part of, part of me. And I'm just been very lucky. How did you and Stacy meet? Uh, weird deal. I was actually <laughs> went to a party one time in Fremont and, uh, believe it or not, started uh <laughs> talk with her and her friends and she ended up getting a hold of me and called me uh right before we were going to Florida like uh it was a little bit after the party a couple weeks after the party and I, I said well I'm getting ready to go to Florida racing for a month and then called her and I, Christ it's sad to say, I mean it's crazy I don't know how time flew but there's 40 years that flew by in a hurry <laughs> it's crazy so you mentioned Fremont there. That kind of leads me to my next question. But you mentioned earlier that Outlaws win at at Fre Fremont. Uh, I remember, you know, I remember seeing video of that. It was quite quite the scene in Victory Lane for you know Chad to win an Outlaw race at that racetrack. But what what about that that night and that meant to to you guys to knock down an Outlaw race in front of your hometown crowd like that? 
I, I do remember that night quite well. Um, and we had a really good, he drove really good. We had a really good car. Um, and it's just crazy that every the stars aligned that night and we drove by gravel, drove by shots and beat them in one, you know, I mean, it was a good, it was a great win. Um, and to win in front of your home, you know, town where, you know, Chad went to school where I went to school. I mean, it, it was, it was a big, a big deal. You know? It was probably one of those nights where having a t- your experience setting up tighter race cars help you. Cause if I remembered it was just ice that night, right? That's like the way Fremont too- can yeah. be. Yes. Yeah. Fremont's been very good. You know, I think me and Schaefer won four or five Jim Ford classics in a row there. And that's always been, you know, it's crazy. Uh, Fremont's, Fremont's been good to me, you know, pretty much my whole career. So in addition to all these race teams you, you've worked for throughout the years, you've had a lot of time working at Kistler. You worked at Cure Speed Shop for a while. Yes. What do some of the other jobs kind of outside of race teams look like that you've held throughout your time in, in the sport? Um, It's really crazy. I started off, I worked at a dealership as a manager for 17 years right out of high school, um, plus raced, you know, 50 or 60 races a year. And then, you know, at about 89, I'm like, um, now that should have been, the the late 90s i ended up going to work at at uh Kears and it was different you know it was nice though because i loved racing you know and i worked there for eight or nine years and things were going well and then we went and did the outlaws so then i went back to the dealership where i worked at for a couple of years and we started another dealership and then paul kistler come into the dealership one day he says come on i want you to start a speed shop and i'm like you sure you want to do that and uh here it is going on 16 years later, and and uh, I'm still on the phone with, with Dave every day. I call back orders, and, you know, it's like I'm still there every day. I actually went home, uh, like, well, right after Christmas, and then I worked at home. Dave had some back surgery, so I went home and worked, and then I'll probably end up going home, like, every six to eight weeks and, and helping him for – I just – I still love the I – love, I love my customers, and I love that business. You know, it's – it's been good to me, you know, and I don't, I, I just like doing it. What do your kind of duties at Kistler look like? What have you been doing for them and what, what are you still doing now? Um, I, I, you know, there's a lot of teams that think, you know, they, you know, I, well, I've, I actually build a lot of complete teams, programs, um, complete cars for people. And then, uh, you know, they like for me to help them set them up and, and, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll go to their houses and, and, you know, try to, try to help everyone as much as I can, you know, the, the Kistler name in and of itself has become pretty legendary within the sport, but kind of talk to me uh, about him and that business and what it's like to work for him. Uh, Paul, Paul's a great guy. I mean, I mean, actually in my career, uh, he's pretty much the only one that I've ever ran, you know, engines with, I think it was 94 when, or 95 he built, one of the very first engines for me and Chad, um, that would have been back in the Steinbrick days, um, which my little sister ended up marrying a Steinbrick. So, um, but you know, Paul's engines are pretty much all I've ever raced with, whether it was Schaefer and Chad or Danny Hograver or Kale Conley, you know, we've always, I've always ran Paul's engines. Um, so, you know, me and Paul are, you know, he's very, very busy at the engine shop. The engine shop is very busy. Um, but we were also very busy at the, uh, you know, at the speed shop as well. So it, it, it was, you know, very, 
I guess they always say time, you know, flies when you're having fun and you look back and it's been 16 years, you know, it's like, wow, where'd that go? You know, does working, how does working around, you know, you mentioned the, the engines specifically, how does working around the engines that closely help make you that much better when you go to the racetrack and put on your crew chief hat? Well, it's kind of nice because for me, I, you know, I can, you know, Paul does all the dynoing himself and him and Mike and, you know, I, I, you know, go over there and, you know, you, you, you learn and, you know, then, you know, I've raced long enough where, you know, I think that I'm one of the guys that always think that richer is better than leaner. So that's a, definitely a whole lot cheaper, you know, so I'm not, I'm not one to blow engines up. So I'm always on the rich side than the lean side. Perfect. So you, you, you mentioned part of your duties there was kind of building a, a team from scratch and or, or kind of building a whole program. That kind of leads me back to where we started talking about this new venture of Bell Kemenaw Racing. But um, I know you guys have got a fleet of four micros. Now you've got a, a 360 sprint car over there. And one of the quotes I, I came across, I was kind of doing my research get on you getting ready for this interview, was a, a, an interview from several years ago. Chad, your brother, said, Brian is very good at organization. That's his biggest thing. He is very meticulous as far as preparation. So uh, with that in mind, how do you go about, you know, obviously Christopher and Eric had a really good program going already, but how do you walk into something like that and say, okay, we're going to take this and expand it to this big fleet of micros and also throw in a 360 sprint car and do all these other things. Right. It's kind of crazy. We actually built a sprint car, um, you know, last year um, and then brought that down. And then, um, you know, the micro stuff, you know, when I started to help Christopher, he said, why don't you come down and, you know, help us with the micro. So we changed some things, you know, we changed locations on the frame, ride heights, shocks. We changed a lot of stuff. And he, Christopher's very smart with those little, and he loves them little micros. I mean, that's his passion. You can see, you know, it's kind of not, I mean, the last three months, you know, since he's been off work because you know, he's out tire testing, I think today, or, you know, they're out in Phoenix. I know that. But uh, he is there with me and Eric. When he can be there, he's there. It's crazy. Last week, every you know, we went. I got there at eight thirty in the morning on Friday or eight o'clock, and he comes walking in at nine. I, I myself, I go six days a week, and then even sometimes on Sundays till noon. Saturday morning, nine o'clock, doors up. And there comes Christopher, and we stayed till five o'clock. So, I mean. There's always something to do. Eric does a great job. Eric is so meticulous. He, It's nice working with Eric because it's like we think the same, you know, and I know he's from Ohio. I'm from Ohio. You know, I'm not that much older than him, maybe 10 years. Um, but it's nice having help, you know. Um, what I mean, I mean, good. he's very good help. So now it's crazy. Christopher had his truck and trailer. Now I have my truck and trailer. So we got four cars or four micros in uh, the sprint car. And then, you know, we, we are definitely going to expand and hopefully get some uh, 410 engines here soon and uh, hopefully keep growing the program. I mean, um, I'm very excited. We have a lot, of, a lot of people that are very intrigued on it, and we're very fortunate. We already have, I think we're pretty much booked for the year. We don't want to get, we don't want to get too far out of over our skis our first year. But um, we're very fortunate. We have three, you know, and, and everyone knows of, you know, Gavin Bushell. He's he's going <clears> to <throat> run, you know, a full a micro full-time for us. Plus, you know, do some of the 360 stuff. And then we have Jaden Bowling. Um, he is, a, you know, race legend cars. 
Um, but I did see his first lap ever in a micro at Millbridge. I think he has a lot of potential. And then we, Brian Ellenberg and, and Todd Hutchins from Pennsylvania, they've been friends of mine for 25 or 30 years. And then they uh, came in over Thanksgiving and seen them, what we were building and they wanted to be a part of it. So Todd's little boy, I think is 12 and we're going to put him in a full-time um, restricted. So we'll have pretty much three full-time cars on Wednesdays. And then we'll probably run Gavin as much as we can on the weekends, you know, but Gavin has, he's under contract with, I think Chevrolet right at the moment, you know, with the super late model stuff. And then he still runs Keith Coons midgets and, you know, he has a, he's a, he's got a very busy schedule, but his dad's telling me, you know, please, if we could try to run him realistically 40 to 50 races, that'd be great. So we're going to do the best we can on, on getting them races. So I, I'm curious, you, you've spent most of your, careers working with pretty you know drivers that were already pretty established in chad and and tim schaefer and you did a short stint with terry mccarlin and yes, somewhere too and yep. it's really kind of a different role now working with these kind of younger kids how do you prepare yourself to kind of be not just crew chief but kind of almost have to put on the the mentor hat as you're working with some of these at least still teenage kids and these micros in this 360 sprint car yeah it's that is that is going to be the difference um you know, you wake up every day and you do this because you want to win, you know. Um, but there comes a point in time, I feel, that we need to start. The next generation is needs help. Who's going to teach these next kids, you know what I mean? And there just isn't a lot of people that want to work and the work on these cars and, and do it the right way and do it. And I feel the way to to have a shot at winning you know there, there's just not a lot of people out there that that want to do it and can do it you know so hopefully hopefully we can make a difference in their lives and, and help them in their careers that's our goal you know that's what Christopher wants he you know Christopher got a you know a break and you know thank God that you know Furco at the time you know give him a shot and then you know Keith and Pete and you know it it takes you you got to be lucky, you know, and get with the right people, and hopefully we can be the right people for for some of these kids. You know, that's what, that's our goal. You know, me and Eric talk all the time. You know, we just we want to be clean. You know, we we have to have our stuff we feel look the best. And uh, you know, I think that I think everything we're doing so far is is the right way. And uh, you know, we could not do any of it without the without Christopher. Um, he. You know, he's very good with these kids, too, you know, on talking to him. You know, we had a, a photo shoot there last Sunday, and it's just cool to, you know, watch him talk to Gavin and, you know, watch him talk to Jaden. And Cullen couldn't, you know, be there because actually his motor's not quite done yet, his restrictor, because we were just not really 100% sure how to go about the restricted thing because we never did it, you know. But I thought, you know what, it's time we're going to do this. And Brian Ellenberger and Todd said, yeah, you are going to do this. <laughs> so they've been friends for a long time, and we're actually pumped on that. You know, it'll be fun. You know, he's 12. It'll be a, it'll definitely be a new experience for me. I, I'm, I'm sure of that. So it's January 24th as we're recording this interview. Full disclosure for everyone listening to this. This episode won't come out till. First week of February as we get ready to kick off the outlaw season at Volusia. But in the two weeks since we've done this interview, you'll have gone with Gavin to run the 360 at Volusia and at Hendry County, I believe you said was the the, uh, the other racetrack down there in Florida. Or is that in Florida? Yeah, Florida. Yes, it is. Yep, Milton, Florida. What does, I mean, 
what does success look like for you in the, these two races that you're getting ready to take Gavin, who doesn't have many laps still in a full-size sprint car? No, I think he's got maybe 60, 70 laps total, maybe. Um, I think he's went to the races three times with the sprint car, and I think he only, I'm not for sure, but I think he only ever finished one race. So um, I would be really nice. It looks like this field, the first at Volusia, uh, you know, he's only 14 years old, so it is kind of scary, but... You know, he, he's very good car control, um, you know, in the micro. Um, he's very good in the midget. You know, he is very focused, you know, very, very focused at what he does. Um, so we feel confident in our team if we can go there and hopefully uh, everything, you know, we have a little bit of luck. Maybe we can get him in the race and get him some laps. I know you got Macri going. Um, there's, you know, Stenhouse. I think there's. I was looking tonight. I think there was like 15 or 16 heavy, heavy hitters, and there's already almost 40 cars entered. So it's going to be tough for him to make the race, to be honest. But I'm not counting him out either. Perfect. Well, on that note, Brian Kimenaugh, thanks for taking time out of getting ready to go to these races at Volusia, again, that that have already happened by the time this interview comes out. But uh, thank you for the time this week. Uh, Congrats on all your success, and uh, best of luck with the new endeavor here with Bell Kimenaugh Racing. Ross, I, I really, really appreciate your friendship, and I appreciate you uh, having me on, especially the first one back. That's kind of cool. Um, and uh, I said thank you for all your time as well. You hear the air horn sounding, marking the final two minutes of the open red flag conditions. Well, that's going to do it for us this week here on Open Red. Hope you enjoyed that conversation with Brian Kimenaugh. Of course, it's great that after he's had that recent move here to the North Carolina, Charlotte area, that he was able to come do it in studio. One of the rare times that we get a a, a guest on this show that is able to join us in the same room uh, and not be over the phone or uh, anything else. So, uh, again, thank you for listening. If you have any other guest suggestions for the show as we go throughout the year, don't hesitate to share them. Uh, best way to do that is socially, probably through Twitter. You can find me on Twitter at Ross Weiss. Of course, also be sure to follow at World of Outlaws and at Extreme underscore Outlaw as we go throughout the racing year. And don't forget to use that hashtag Open Red. That's going to do it for us this week. We'll see you back here in two weeks for another episode of Open Red. Hashtag Open Red.